and the Word. For your great love for us. Yes, Lord. For your great mercy, God, and uh, we all can look back to our own personal life, Father God, how you rescued us, how you was trying to make a way in our own personal life, Father God, trying to bring us to you, Father God, and how you protect us from so many different things, Father God, and now that we are in you, Father God, that we have the mind of Christ, that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, Father God, that you have transformed us and have made all things new in our own personal life, Father God, we cannot stop saying thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for transforming us. Thank you for, for being with us from the beginning until the end, and you will be forever in our own personal life, Father God, and we are so thankful for the God, Lord Jesus. And, and we can cannot stop saying thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you because you first love us. And no greater love than this and a man that down his life for his friend. And that's exactly what you did for all of us, Father God. You rescued us from darkness and now we are in your marvelous life, Father God. You have given us, you have forgiven us. You you have given us a new day for to start over again. You have made all things new, Father God. And now we can say we are with the King of King and Lord of Glory. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Father God. No demon, no angel, no sickness, no persecution, no perilous time. Nothing can separate us from you, Father God. And we are so thankful for that, Lord Jesus. So today, Lord Jesus, as we come as we come together to celebrate this beautiful day that you have given us, Father God, and to celebrate the goodness and the mercy of your Son Jesus, yes. Father. Help us to be the people of God. Help us to be a strong and courageous, Father God. Help us to be bold, Father God. Help us to be your ambassador, Father God. Help us to do exactly what you have called us to do, Father God, to go and make disciples and to baptize yes. in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. and to yes. teach them to obey everything that you have told us, Father God, and to, and to know, Father God, that you always will be with us, Father God, to the very end, Lord Jesus. So we are thankful, Father God, that you have chosen, Father God, that you have called us, Father God, that we are with you forever and ever, and we can wait until that day that we will be with you forever, God, celebrating the, everything with you, Lord Jesus, what you have already prepared for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you. I speak, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that you will speak to our heart, that you will penetrate like a double soul age and expose the fruit of the, the Oh, my Lord, the fruit that leaves of darkness, Father God, and that we will surrender completely to you, Lord Jesus, that we Jesus. will say, here I am, Lord, do with me whatever you want to, Father God. Yes. And speak to us, Holy Spirit, this morning and help us to be the people of God, that we will be able to stand for righteousness, that we will be able to go forward yes. and preach the gospel, Father God, because there's nothing, nothing in this earth can satisfy us more than the love of Christ, Father God, and what you have done for us and for us to tell someone even if it's only one person a day, Father God, yes. about the love of Jesus Christ for them, Jesus. Father God, it will be enough for you, Lord Jesus. So please help us to be bold, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Help us to be the people that you have called us to be, to know that we don't have to fear because you are for us. And perfect love casts all fear, Father God. And you have not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and soul, mind, Father God. So, Lord, help us to be the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let everything that has spread 
took a breath When I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made You're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay And you make all things work together For my future
Jesus, that you've begun a work in us, and Father, you are faithful to complete it. We thank you, Father, that your love endures forever, and we thank you that your mercies are new each morning. I pray, Father, as we gather today, Lord Jesus, that we would fix our eyes upon you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your living word. We pray, God, that as we open it this morning, Father, that we would set aside our the distractions. Father, that we would focus, Lord, that we'd be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Father, that you would lead us into repentance. Father, that you would continue, Father, to mature us and to grow us. Lord, that we would be effective laborers in your harvest. That we would be about our Father's business. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are for us and not against us. Thank you, Father, that you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you that you've adopted us into your family, given us the right to call you Abba, Daddy. We thank you, Father, that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. Yes. We thank you, Father, that you are returning for us. So find us faithful, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Repentance. We're looking just at the first R. There's three R's that I've given us for this year. Repentance, resolve, and to release. And oh, how I've been praying for not only myself, but for us collectively. 
that we would be putting this into practice, that this is something daily that we're living. But today I just want to focus on repentance. The action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. And there was a few scriptures I gave us on New Year's Eve, and we focused just on one that I encouraged everyone to try to memorize. But I just want to go back to the ones that I shared with us. And the first one is 1 John 1 through 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is faithful. Acts 3 verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Joel 2, verse 13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Ezekiel 18, verse 32. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 through 11. This is the one that we kind of just honed in and focusing on. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance, and it results in spiritual death. Repentance, you all. God leads us to Himself through repentance. And I pray that we're grasping this. I pray that we're not remaining in rebellion towards Him, finding excuses within ourselves to cling to the sin that so easily entangles us when the Word of God says we are not to be clinging to it, we're to be throwing it off. Not in our own strength, not in our power, but through Him. He leads us away from it. He is gracious and kind. He's slow to anger. He reveals Himself to us through His Son, Jesus, that we would be reconciled back to Him. I love Romans 5.1. Therefore now you're at peace with God through Christ Jesus, your Lord. He's gracious. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. His will is that none shall perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I love it. When, we, when the scripture was just read and it says, repent and live. Repent and live. The enemy's working overtime. 
And he has been working overtime. But as the days are growing more and more and more evil and darker, we as the bride of Christ should be burning brighter. I've been sharing that with us for years, encouraging you, encouraging myself. How are you burning? You should be burning brighter. You shouldn't be flickering, almost fading out. No, you should be fanning that flame and burning brighter. You should be maturing. You should be growing. You should be in deeper fellowship with God through Christ Jesus. This is the good news. This is the hope for the world. Jesus. Jesus, you all. The name above all names. The Son of God. The risen Son of God. He's taken our punishment for us. He's fulfilled what was needed in order for mankind to be reconciled back to God. To God. Apart from Him, we are doomed. We are damned to hell. And I keep encouraging us, why would we choose His wrath over His love? On a day when the world is celebrating love, and the reality, the world, the lost, they have no concept of love. There's love. God is love. And there's no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. And in doing so, he calls us to lay down our lives. Have you laid down your life? Are you living a repentant lifestyle? Are you seeing those areas still within your heart that you need to repent of, to turn away from, to have a sincere regret and remorse? Like you see it for what it is. You're not drawn to it any longer. You're not celebrating it any longer. No, you see the filth of what it is. And it could be anything. We all have our vices. We all have given, because we're all born into sin. We're born into rebellion. We gravitate towards that which just is trying to kill us. Whatever it makes me, myself, and I feel whatever sense of value, of some sense of worth, that ultimately is no value or worth at all. It's just deception. But we all have that nature because we're all born into sin. We're born into rebellion towards a holy God. Are we getting this? Do you realize it? You have the enemy, you have the world, and you have the flesh. These layers of oppression that we are born into. We're not seeking God. We're not seeking holiness. We're not seeking to live a repentant lifestyle. No, in and of ourselves, we're quite fond and comfortable in the oppression. We ought not to be. We ought not to be. This world is not our home. 
And we better wake up to the reality as I keep reminding us that we're behind enemy lines. And if you're a Christian, a sincere Christian, if you're truly a repentant Christian, you've accepted Jesus, you have this strong belief in this confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is risen from the grave, I keep reminding us that should be our truth, our identity, and that's what we're walking in. That's what we're growing in. We belong to Him. When we have that belief in that confession, when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we are saved. We are now born again of a new spirit. No longer in rebellion to God, but into obedience. We've laid down our lives. We've considered the cost. We were seeking Him above all. Our eyes have been opened. Our ears hear now. And we sense a newness. And we don't settle for the old ways. We don't settle for the oppression. We don't settle for despair. We don't settle because we're clinging to Christ. And as you grow to know Him, as you're maturing in Him, like He calls you to live above the old life. Because the old man and the old woman, we're to consider them dead. But now we are alive in Christ Jesus. And oh, is the enemy working overtime. He knows that his time is soon to be up. And he's causing distractions. He's causing chaos. He's causing ruins. He's destroying lives. The world is darker. The draw and the pull of the world is stronger. Like we've never seen it before. And it's only going to get worse. It's going to try to, 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 to allow the flesh to feed off all of its temporal longings. And the flesh is suffering at a greater level of suffrage than the world has ever seen. You see, all three areas are growing. Are they, they're, 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 they're expanding their territory and the rule and the reign over mankind. But you, child of God, are here upon this earth to do the will of the Father. To stand in the gap and to pray and to intercede. To walk in the authority in which Christ Jesus has given you. To cast out demons. To expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. And He's giving you the ability to repent, to renounce, to turn away from the very things that try to distract you in your own life. You just can't hold a form of religion. You just saying you have faith doesn't make you saved. You just showing up when you want to come to church, you just doing when you want to do, it doesn't make you a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? Because you've repented. And repentance is your lifestyle. You're not settling to cling to the old. You're not settling to remain in rebellion. 
And when it's revealed that that rebellion that is still there in your life, you don't settle to hold on to it. No. You give it up freely. Because of Christ, you all. Because of Christ. Oh, how I pray that our hearts and our minds would be illuminated with the truth of Christ. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And He's returning. He's coming back for His bride. And we better wake up. We better understand the times and the days in which we live. Oh, how I pray that our our level of discernment would, would grow. That we would truly recognize what is happening throughout the earth. And that we would remain diligent. (laughs) That we would be the watchmen on the wall. That we will call people to repentance. You know, that's what Jesus' ministry was. (laughs) Repent. Repent. Even John the Baptist, when he was preparing the way for Jesus, his ministry, his message, repent, repent. We heard all the way back in Ezekiel, repent and live. We hear it all through Scripture. Repent, repent. Have a sincere regret and remorse for you've turned from God, your Creator. Now turn back to Him and live. And why do you think the enemy is trying to weaken that word or that lifestyle and hinder people from doing it? We get tripped up because we just focus on ourselves. Oh, look how bad I am. I can't do anything right. Look at my life. Nothing works out. And we have all these excuses. And we sit up and we take camp up and we sit in this pity. We sit in this shame. We sit in this guilt. We sit in this isolation because I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around church folks. This and this and that. We have all these excuses. And the enemy is winning. He ought not to win because he has no right or authority over the church. Now, if you're not a true believer, you belong to him. But why would you remain with him, shack up with him, when you've heard time and time and time and time again of the love of God and the hope that is found in Christ? He is your beloved. You are his. You're to be having an intimate relationship with Him. You're to walk with Him. You're to talk with Him. You're to grow in Him. Because when you received Him, you received the Holy Spirit, God Himself in you, and you are called not to live a life that grieves Him. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit with your thoughts, with your actions, with your words? With the places that you're going and the things that you are doing, are you grieving Him because you ought not to be? You ought not to make a mockery of the Holy Spirit. You ought not to make a mockery of Christ. You ought not make a mockery of the Father. You're not make a mockery of our Creator. Oh, you're to have a sincere regret and remorse. I don't need to be bound in shame and guilt and condemnation and making excuses 
when the sin is revealed in my heart and my life because God is gracious and kind and loves me enough to focus on that and say, Rob, that is wrong, that is error, that is sin in your life. And I don't have to run and hide from God like Adam did. No, I can come boldly before him. And, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, strengthen me. Oh, God, and have that sincere regret. And I can see the filth and the wickedness of it. And I can lay it down and I can get up from it. And the newness of life. Are you living today? Are you loving today? Because that's what you ought to be doing. That's what you ought to be doing. And repentance is this beautiful gift that he gives us. He draws us to himself. I keep encouraging you. You're not waking up behind enemy lines in and of your own strength, in and of your own thought. Oh, today I'll follow Jesus. No, 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 no. If you have any inclination of seeking Jesus, it's because he has begun that work in you. He loves you enough to draw you to himself. So would you please stop turning your back on him? He is faithful to complete what he's begun in you. So turn to him, run to him, cling to him, trust in him. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. I want to share some scriptures with us this morning to keep persevering. And I pray that you'll go back through this week and Carrie sends out the notes. And you study through these scriptures. Listen, just coming or turning on the, the, your, your computer and, and hearing a couple of hours worth of scripture is not enough for you. Not enough for you. You have got to be diligent. You have got to open up the Word of God. You have got to search out the Word of God. You have got to get discipled to where you are applying the Word of God. Because if you're not, then it does no good for you. I mean, do you realize, and again, for those that aren't here joining us on Friday nights for the book of Revelation, I don't know where you're at because you ought to be here. (laughs) But all through Scripture... You see these people holding a form of religion, thinking they're right with God, and in reality, they're enemies of Him. They're enemies of God. You see, Jesus, He he gives these revelations to, to John to write these letters to the churches, and He's telling them, Listen, you have good theology, you know the Word, you even may hold true to the Word. But this still is my charge against you. Repent. Even up into the book of Revelation, the word repent is there. Oh, we got to wake up. We cannot continue to remain ignorant. We cannot continue just to hold a form of religion. We can't keep thinking that somehow we're right with God because of what we have done. Listen, either you are in Christ or you're not. There's not one foot in and one foot out. He'd rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, because if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Oh, we better wake up. We better wake up. 
Again, God is good. God is great. God is loving. He's slow to anger. There's no error found in God. Do you know Him? Do you long to be in His presence? Are you faithfully serving Him? Listen, we've got to persevere. We've got to persevere. Our greatest enemy is not on the outside of the church. Our greatest enemy is who is sitting among us in the church. And listen, those in the church, remember, they're there because God himself says it will be. The wheat and the tares, they will grow together. I mean, for God's sakes, Judas was among the twelve who looked at Jesus when everyone else walked away and Jesus says, are you leaving too? He was among the twelve. Where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. He, re- he was with Jesus. He sat with Jesus. He loved Jesus. He saw the miracles. He heard the teachings. He gave up his life to follow him. And yet he betrayed him. He was all about his agenda. He was all about me, myself, and I. But somehow, deep down inside, he chose. He chose. He held a form. It looked good, but at the right time. The Bible said Satan entered him. And Jesus looked at him and said, go do what you must do. You see, Jesus knew all along who Judas was. (laughs) In fact, if you remember, he was telling the disciples, one of you will betray me. Who, Jesus? Who? Who's it me? Is it me? And they started carrying on with each other, and Jesus tells them, no, the one that I dip the bread in and give to, there's your betrayer. They didn't even recognize it. So you're not always going to be able to tell who says they're a Christian. In reality, they're not. They may look the part, they may talk the part, but in their heart of hearts, it's just all show. They can say the prayers, they can read the word, they can have a platform. That you should be someone who serves faithfully and yet not know God because they're not known by Him. Remember, Jesus will look at these people and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I was not in intimate fellowship, relationship with you. You have no part of me. (laughs) But we did the works. I don't know you. Oh, we better wake up, you all. Better wake up. It's not church like it used to be for all the years before us. No, it's a whole new way. God is pulling back the truth and unveiling truth to his bride. Wake up. Wake up. I'm returning. Have your lamps filled. Have your hearts 
set and be in obedience to my word. Cannot end up like those other virgins who did not have the right amount of oil. They ran to go back and get some. By the time they returned, they were gone. The bridegroom came. Now, are you ready, church? Like at any moment, he can return. At any moment, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, can return. And the blink of an, in the eye, blink of an eye, boom, it's the thief and the night, he returns. And then what? Your temporal drawing, your temporal insecurities, your temporal mess did nothing for you. It just condemns you to hell. And you will spend eternity, eternity, and deep grief, sorrow, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Never to end. Never to end. And all for what? Because you refuse Jesus. You stiffed arm. Jesus. You rejected Jesus because yourself was more important. Me, myself, and I. I will rule. I will reign. I will be on the throne of my life. I'll do what I want. I'll live how I want and I'll go where I want. And I won't be ruled by you. So don't expect when he returns to take you with him. Because listen, he's returning to gather up those who belong to him and destroy the others. You will be accounted among the enemies of God because that's your choice. That's your choice. But oh, praise be to God for those who are in Christ. The hope that we have for his return. Oh, there's some good news for us. And as I said before, we're not out to damn the lost. <laughs> no, we're out to serve them. We're out to love them. We're out to preach the gospel to them in hopes that they will turn from themselves and turn to Christ. And as far as the enemy sitting within the church, we better start exposing them. We better start dealing with them in hopes that they would come to love Christ. That is our mission. Burn bright. Serve Christ. Be about our Father's business. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 through 17. <clears throat> Again, I'm sharing these scriptures in hopes that they would encourage us to continue to persevere. Verse Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 through 17. Living to please God. Listen to this, these scriptures. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, 
we urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of our Lord Jesus. God's will, oh please hear this, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Did you hear that? Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, and we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. <clears throat> but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God Himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you have, I'm sorry, you already show your love for all the believers through Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we have instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Listen, they're writing to this church and not only is it for that church, it's for us and for the churches to continue into the generations until the Lord's return. There's a way in which we are called to live. I mean, when you think about how many people went to church today or will be going to church today, <clears throat> when you think of all the conferences and all the worshiping and all the stuff that's going on, What's changing? See, we've got to wake up. There has to be a difference within us. We go to conferences. We go to these worship events. We listen to church. We go to church. And yet we're not impacting lives. And I told us throughout the years, if your life is not producing fruit. And if your life is not producing disciples, something's wrong. Something is wrong. I mean, the early church, we can learn from. We can learn from the persecuted church. We can learn from our brothers and sisters and we can be keenly made aware as the Holy Spirit brings conviction to our hearts and our lives and to our fellowships and to our corporate worship events and our corporate conferences and all this other stuff that we, we do. Because <laughs> when it all boils down, we're just to bear His image. Are you bearing the image of Christ? Is there fruit coming from your life? 
because there ought to be. There is a way in which we are called to live, and the church is constantly reminded. And I've told you throughout the years too, like <laughs> if you look at the letters to the churches in the New Testament, bottom line, this is the message of them. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. They're constantly being reminded. You know, oh, give us a new message. Give us a new word from God. No, no, there's only one word from God. Repent and live. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> Mature. Ah, we need something new. We're kind of stuck with the board. There's nothing new. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Prepare your hearts. Jesus is coming. <laughs> ah, but we want to be entertained. We want this new level of excitement. <laughs> We're bored. But the message is the same. You can't add to and you can't take away. He's reminding them. <laughs> It goes on, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And look at this. So encourage each other with these words. This is our hope. We ought to be encouraging and edify and building each other up with this truth. We're going to read through chapter 5, verse 1 through 24. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters... We don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is perfect and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other oh, and build each other up just as you are already doing. I mean, do we hear this? You're not to be leaning around in darkness. You're not to be living out of your weird, rebellious nature, your insecurities, your lack of intimacy, whatever. Sin should not be entangling you. You should be throwing it off. You should be remaining alert and clear-headed. In a day and age when the mind is so anxious, when everything is set before us to draw us away from his presence, we better remain alert. We better remain clear-headed. We better remain sober. We better seek him. We better remain among fellowship. Do you see how vital fellowship is? And yet... There are people who say, I don't need fellowship. I don't need the church. I can just read my Bible. You weren't meant to do this alone. You need to be in fellowship. And you should treasure the opportunities you have to meet. You should treasure it. Listen, if you're not treasuring the fellowship of the saints... I can tell you this, you're not treasuring the fellowship with Christ. Mark that down. Highlight that. Put that before you this week. If you're not treasuring the fellowship with the saints, you're not treasuring your fellowship with Christ. Oh, I'll go to church when I want to go to church. I'll turn on when I want to turn it on. I'll do and I'll do when I have the, right, the ability to do it or the time to do it. You see, that flippant attitude that you have about church, the fellowship with the saints, it's the same with Christ. Don't believe me? Look at your life. Look at your life. Oh, but I love Jesus. No, you don't. Because <laughs> if you're not loving the fellowship <laughs> of the saints, <laughs> you're making mockery of who he is. Because he loves his bride. He adores her. He is with her when two or three are present. Boom, he's there. Huh. Oh, we got to wake up, you all. We got to be there for one another, to encourage each other, to edify each other. He goes on, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. 
Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you belonging to Christ Jesus. Oh, let's hear that again. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. And the church should say amen. He is faithful. God will make this happen among us and in us and through us. We don't have to labor so hard in and of our own strength. No, that's been the problem. In the majority of our lives, we're trying to live out what we've been birthed within us through the Spirit in the flesh. And it won't work. We must remember this newness of life is through God, from God, by God. It's all God. So die to yourself and live for Christ, you all. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're moving through this and then we'll get into Judges. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 through 12. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Christ give you grace and peace. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution Oh, please listen to this. Highlight it, verse 5. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. If you haven't looked at the post I posted this morning on our page or on my own private page about the young man in Iran who is going to court, He's in prison, and he says, don't pray for him to be released. No, pray for even more boldness for him to preach the gospel. We don't have to feel bad for those who are persecuted. No, we ought to pray for them. But look, what a beautiful prayer to remember, verse 5, that God will use this persecution to show his justice and make the saints worthy of his kingdom. It goes on in verse 7, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. 
When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people. Praise from all who believe. And this includes you who believed what we told you about him. I mean, look at this. God, that rest. Remember we read through Hebrews a few weeks ago. We, we talked about the rest of God. Uh, from the beginning to the end. Remember, God is purpose is to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. They will be at rest, they will be at peace with their God, their creator. (laughs) The day is coming. And I love this. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. <clears throat> Come on, and that's why we cannot continue to be yoked with Satan, yoked with this world, and yoked with our flesh, peddling a false gospel, damning people to hell, giving them the right to their desires, to their wants, to their needs. We have the gospel the power to save, the message of salvation. And oh, how I pray that you're sharing the good news. And you say, but I'm not. Well, then mature and to grow. Grow. Mature. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I don't know why. You're waiting. At any moment, he can return. He goes on, so keep on praying for you. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Oh, what a beautiful prayer to pray for other believers. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. The name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's all because of Him. Not because of you. All because of Him. Chapter 2. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet Him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come, oh God, listen to this, until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all of this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. Oh God, open up your ears. Listen to this, church. And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. 
For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Ah, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. They refuse to love and to accept the truth that would save them. They refuse to love and to accept the truth that would save them. Oh, how that should be on repeat in our hearts and our minds. Do not be counted among those who have refused to love. Come on. And accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing truth. Oh, for God's sakes, wake up! We must be about our Father's business. We must be effective laborers in the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, the Word of God tells us, but the laborers are few. It is my hope as your pastor, it is my hope as, as a fellowship that we would grow, and I've been saying this for the few years, that we would grow to be effective laborers. That you all will go forth from our times of gatherings and go to your jobs, go among your families, go within the community and be an effective laborer. Live your life worthy of the call that has been placed upon you. You shouldn't look like the others. You shouldn't just be going along and going along with them. No, you should be out there. And like I've been encouraging us, and we said it last week, as the Bible tells us, you will be a scent, a fresh scent, a, a Roman that is pleasing, and they will be drawn to you for those who are being saved. But for those who are damned to destruction, then you will be a stench of death. Oh, but I don't want to... I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want my family and my friends thinking I'm some religious fanatic. I don't, we have all these excuses. Why aren't you opening up your mouth and sharing the gospel? Who have you impacted this week? No one. Why? Why are you so intimidated? <laughs> like we got to wake up, you all. Church, again, cannot be church the way it's been, where we all just gather in and then go right back out and live however we want. Huh. And I'm serious. Now, I pray, God, that you would add to our numbers to those who are being saved. I mean, if I had to sit down to take a survey, you know, and I said, God, or even I just asked the Lord, Lord, could you just give me some special knowledge or understanding of how we're living our lives when we're not together? 
I mean, come on. How are you living your life? Like, I believe this with everything in me. Do you believe? Are you so caught up with your own twistedness? (laughs) I go to church. I go to church. (laughs) I go to church. But you're not even among the church. I mean, we better wake up. This is what's coming. This is what's already at work in the earth. This is the level of deception and chaos that's building up to the climatic return of Christ. This Antichrist is going to step out. And oh, praise be to God. But the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. And we just want to go along. I mean, God help us. God help us. Well, you don't know. I've got this on my plate. I've got that. I got this. I got that. I got this. I got that. I got this. I got that. Well, what I do know, if that's your attitude, you don't have Jesus. And that should concern you. That should concern you. If he is not your priority, if he is not your first love, if being about his business means nothing to you, something is wrong. Something is wrong. That's why I'm sharing these scriptures and hope that they produce within us perseverance. Because it says there in verse 12, then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Verse 13, as for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We were always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. You see how this works, you all? Are, are, you, are you picking up? Are you discerning what the Word of God is t- saying to us? He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you in all good things you do and say. Chapter 3, verse 6 through 16. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they received from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. 
We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we could would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us. But we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we're with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. Remember, he's talking to the church. Refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Oh, that's beautiful. This is the living word of God. This was a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to be penned to us. Oh, how I pray it would impact our hearts and our lives that we would go forth and live it out. That we would be the people of God. That we would, be, we would have a desire to be discipled and to grow and to mature. To be among the fellowship so that you can be encouraged to edify and built up. To remain in close fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And to allow the Holy Spirit to have complete rule and reign of your life. That you may be about your father's business. This just isn't a good story. This just isn't a good book. No, this is the living word of God. Go to Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through 40. The cycles of Judges, or that we find in this book. They're under intense oppression. They've turned from God. They've gone out into the world. They've given themselves over to what they were told not to. They started mixing all these false religions with their relationship with God. They began to worship Baal. They began to just intermarry, intermingle with the other nations. And they lost sight of who God was and who they are. You're having an issue in your Christian life and your identity as a Christian because you lost sight of who God is. And through Christ, what he's called you to. You must know Christ. You must be remain in intimate fellowship with Christ or you will be swayed away. Look at those you have in your life. Look at the people and the places and the things and everything in your life that you spend the majority of your time with. I've challenged people before when I've discipled people one-on-one -on -one or when I'm counseling people. I've encouraged you as the whole as a fellowship throughout many different seasons. 
go and chart your week. Get a journal in front of you and begin to write out the times and what you're doing. And then look back at it and see Christ in it. And if you don't, oh God, something is wrong. Your works don't produce salvation. Christ does that. But faith without works is dead. There has to be something coming from your life. And if there's not, something's wrong. But don't beat yourself up. Just post it and look at it. And pray through it. God, give me a deeper level of intimacy for you. God, look at my life. I'm not loving you. Oh, God, forgive me. And it's that sincere regret and remorse. I spend more time with this and that. I spend more time with them and they impacting my life because I don't want to say anything about you to them. Like all of a sudden you get a clear discernment of where your life is at. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. Search me, O God. Test me, O God. See if there's any wicked way within me, O God. Because I know your love is greater for me than your wrath. I know you would rather have me receive your love much more so than to be an object of your wrath or your destruction. These people lost sight of God. But the oppression... The hell they had to endure, their life crumbling all around them, all of a sudden, God, they saw their need for him. And they cried out to God. And God raises up a judge to save them. Oh, I keep encouraging. This is the reason why we're going and we're doing how we're doing it. I want us to know God. I want you to truly see who he is. I can't make you believe. No man, no woman can. But oh, how I pray that as we're opening up the holy word and the living word of God, the Holy Spirit will draw us ever so closer to get a glimpse and a knowledge and an understanding of who God is. And that we would stop allowing the enemy, the world, and our flesh to tell us who he is. I keep telling us, we cannot have the devil give us a theology lesson. We cannot have the world give us a theology lesson. And we cannot allow the flesh to dictate and to tell us who God is. <laughs> because all three forces give us a false God. <laughs> but know your God. Get to know him. See how compassionate he is. How slow to anger he is. How patient he is. How loving he is. Like when you see him for who he is, you can't help but get down. <laughs> low. Oh God. Because <laughs> as you see him for who he is, you see you for who you are.
I'm treacherous. I'm rebellious. I'm filled with lust. I'm filled with anger. I'm filled with this. I'm filled with that. I'm so selfish. I'm so self-absorbed. I'm so wounded by my past. And it humbles you. And you draw up your hands. Oh God, but you love me. And all of a sudden as you be declared the goodness of God. You become free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Why are you still chained up? Live for God's sakes. Repent and live. Be encouraged. Go forth this day. Representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Gideon, this next judge. Chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord, oh my goodness, handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites, oh God, please pay attention to this, made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, these people from Midian, these and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land, look at this, and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. The enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed oh, until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And oh, praise be to God. You haven't gone too far that you can't turn around and cry out for help. I hope we understand that. And your loved ones and the people in your community and in our nation and throughout the earth have not gone too far that we cannot offer them the hope to turn out, turn to Christ and to cry out for help. I mean, what they are enduring is pure hell. Pure hell. These are the chosen people of God. They have been given this promised land. Do you remember what they were given? Do, do you remember? It was bountiful of everything that they, they didn't even have to plant. They didn't have to build. It was all there for them. And now we find them starving. Living in caves. Retreating. Going back to that Egyptian mindset of defeat. Ah, that's where defeat will lead you in your life. You keep letting the enemy in. You keep intermingling with him. You keep going along the ways of the world. 
You keep giving over to your appetites. And destruction will be upon you. But oh, child of God, cry out. Oh, wretched sinner, if you're not in Christ, cry out. Either way, cry out. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I, God speaking, brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites and those in whose land you now live. But you have not Listen to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the, the, of the clan of Abizur. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Oh, my goodness, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. But this is a man that's hiding. This is a man who has gone along with the clan. But God sees us for how he has created us. And he speaks to that existence, not what we've made ourselves. Oh, God, can you love him today? Can you just love him today? Oh, for all of us, we should just be wiped off. But remember, he's prepared good works for us to do. And the day and age in which we are living, in which we are called for, in which we are purposed for, Gideon was purposed for then as you are purposed for today. And the first words that came from the angel of the Lord, mighty hero. The Lord is with you. He didn't say, you weak, pathetic man, why are you hiding? He didn't condemn him and bash him and beat him down and strip him because Gideon already knew who he was. But God had to remind him from the depths of his soul who he is and what he was purposed for. Mighty hero. Gideon didn't see himself as a hero. You don't see yourself any good, but God sees it. Because God knows what he has created and what he has prepared for you to do. Line up your will with God's. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him for God's sakes. Stop wallowing around like an infant. Get up. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where were the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Oh, does that not sound like us? 
he forgot the Lord. And so now what he's doing is he's turning it around, except, instead of accepting responsibility, no, it's the Lord. Yeah. Where's he at? Why hasn't he done anything? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have. Oh, dear God, circle that, highlight that, put that up on your mirror to look at throughout this week. Because some of us just have to get up and the chaos that we're in and the weakness that we are in and go with the strength you have Oh, that ought to make you feel good. <laughs> if you've ever wallowed around in gloom and doom and despair with panic and anxiety, with health issues, <laughs> with financial issues, with marriage issues, with any issues, <laughs> you see no hope. You're exhausted to the point of exhaustion. Go with the strength you have and do the work of the Lord. He says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, oh, God, I don't know about you. I, you ought to preach yourself happy with this chapter this week if you haven't already read it. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon, did you not hear the Lord call you a hero, a mighty hero? Did you not hear that the Lord is with you? Moses did the same thing, questioning God, how, how can I go? We all question God. But are we listening to God? In your questioning, are you listening? And all praise be to God, Gideon knew, Gideon knew that everything about him was against what he was being told. I'm from the weakest clan. I'm from the screwed up family. I'm from that which doesn't even amount to anything. And then, even in my own family, I'm the least. Like, I'm nothing. I mean, it's basically what he's saying. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. How many of you have felt like you're nothing? You have no value. But God, you all. But God. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. <coughs> Don't forget the, the, the picture that we've been given. They are so numerous. They're like swarms of locusts just moving in, devouring the whole land. And God is saying, you will fight against them as if you're fighting one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me 
Show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and, and, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Ah, look at this obedience. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Don't miss that, you all. Gideon worshipped. All of a sudden, as he's having this encounter, because in a minute we're going to see something that Gideon has been exposed to. We already should know, remember, he's practicing a false worship to Baal. But something struck within Gideon. He needed to know that he knew that he knew that this was God speaking. And how would he know that he knows that he knows that this is God? By worshiping him. And the worship and the offering and the sacrifice was pleasing because it was received. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. All of a sudden, O God... (laughs) Worship should lead you to the Almighty. Worship should lead you to the knowledge of God and who He is. See, worship isn't about you. So I get so fascinated when I hear people about worship in their church or, oh, I don't like that song. I, don't, I want to do this. Oh, the music's too loud. And they got all this stuff. And listen, worship is so much more than music. Worship is so much more than it being done the way you like. No, no, no. When you enter into worship, your focus is on God. Gideon realized, oh God, I'm doomed. And look what God does. Oh, he's a comforter, you all. Do you know him as comforter? It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Would you learn that name of God? Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. The altar remains there 
to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asher pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded him. Oh, look at this obedience. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people in the town. Early the next morning, as the people, now remember, circle people, these are God's people. But they have been worshiping Baal. They have been giving themselves over to these idols, mixing in here and there, and then finally just giving themselves completely over that within their town, they have erected this temple, this, this altar, if you would, to Baal. And God told Gideon, tear it down and worship me. Build me an altar. And instead of the people recognizing early the next morning as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down <coughs> and that the pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built and on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the pole. Oh, for goodness sakes, do you not see this? And where on God's earth were the Levites? Where were the priests that should have been keeping this area under control, reminding them of who their God was? Apparently nowhere. They were just holding a form of religion and just giving it to the, to, the, to the world around them. And they're angry. Oh, would they not? They should be more zealous for the living God than the temporal gods. And it's no different than today and the generations to come. People are more passionate, have more zeal for dead gods than the living. It's demonic. It's demonic. Gideon must die. Bring him out. He's destroyed the altar. But Joash, praise be to God, shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is God, let Baal, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubel, 
which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Joash. Maybe not in his own thinking and logic, but speaking up to defend his son. If we truly believe Baal is Baal, that he is God to be worshipped, let him defend himself. You don't need to stand up for him. Let Baal be the one. But Baal isn't the one. (laughs) Soon afterward, the armies of Midian... Amalek and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Oh, dear God, highlight that, circle that. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. As we in the New Testament church have received, you, if you are in Christ, you have been clothed with power. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. God has given you everything you need. This is what Scripture tells us to live a godly life. So your excuse for not living a godly life only makes a mockery of God. Listen, we are the church of Christ, the body of Christ, and dwelt by God to accomplish what God has purposed in our time. He clothed him with power. He blew a ram's horn as to call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zubalim, and Natali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. This was a man from the weakest clan and the least in his family, and now he is sounding the alarm, all because he heard the voice of God, and he obeyed God. (laughs) Do you understand the impact that your life would have in your family, in your community, in your nation, throughout the earth, if you would just obey God instead of continuing to wrestle with Him, continuing to blame Him, continuing to mope and dope in your past and your weirdness and your unforgiveness and all your insecurities and all the stuff that defines you? (laughs) Get up and live. You're to be impacting the generation. The weakest of the weak from the weakest clan is now summoning an army. All because of his obedience which allowed the Spirit of the Lord to give him the power that is needed to accomplish not what Gideon set out to do, but what God had purposed Gideon to do. Then Gideon said to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please, don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. 
Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Praise be to God, you all. Oh, I hope that you will find encouragement this day in the life of Gideon. Oh, I pray that you would go this week and that you would seek the Lord's face for what He has called you to do for the days that are ahead. His will be done, you all. Go to Luke 22, verse 54 through 23, verse 12. Oh, how I pray you are excited. Luke 22, verse 54 through 23, verse 12. So they arrested him. And led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. This is Peter, the one who's like, To death with you, Jesus. I will go to the end with you, Jesus. And now he's following from a distance. Oh, let's not pick on Peter. For some of you are following even today at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them. Where is Peter? He's not where he said he was going to be. He's now joined and mingled in with the lost. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly sincere remorse and regret. Just can't rush through that. I can't even imagine what Peter endured. But oh, I know the times that I've endured when I've denied him. Denied him because I didn't speak up to others. I denied him, even denied him to myself to to make way for my sin. You deny him. And you just keep going. It just keeps building. It just keeps building. It just keeps building. Until there's a moment 
that you feel the ever so loving presence of the Father looking at you. And you realize, oh God, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Oh God. And I love what we see here. Peter got up from where he shouldn't have been. And with deep sorrow, he wept bitterly. A beautiful picture, you all, of repentance. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us. Who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. This is Jesus, you all. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is God, you all. And the created is beating him. Mocking him. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. Jesus was led before the high council, and they said, Tell us who you, tell us, are you the Messiah? And he replied, If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if, you, if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. They all shouted, so you claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, yes. I'm sorry. He replied, you say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses, they said. We ourselves heard him say it. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he's the Messiah, a king. Now look how they twist things. Jesus never said for them not to pay. Do you remember? Jesus said, give, said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to him. Oh, they're twisting their insults and their lies to make a case. So Pilate asked him, asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent. But he is causing riots by, teachings, by his teachings wherever he goes, all over Judea, all over Galilee and Jerusalem. Oh, he's a Galilean, Pilate asked. When they said he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas. Because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus. Because he had heard about him. And he had been hoping for a long time, look at this, to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question, he asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Oh, God, what a scene. <laughs> then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends <laughs> that day. Oh, do you see 
what in the enemy will do, <laughs> he will take the ruthless people and because of Christ, unite them from under one cause. Get rid of them. And it's no different than today. The forces of darkness are gathering. Groups and, 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 and people groups are now coming together for, as one. Just to destroy Jesus. They can't stand each other. They're in total opposite of each other. But give them Jesus and they come together. And the sad thing is, is that the religious people join them. These Pharisees and Sadducees, these were quote-unquote men of God. But God himself was a threat to them and their power and their position. Oh, we better wake up. We better wake up, you all. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his one and only son to endure what we're reading about. And oh, how I pray it's just not a story that we're reading, but that we would have an understanding and a revelation of what he had to endure because of you. You deserved the mocking. You deserved the beating. You deserved the cross. You deserve the wrath. But Jesus says, I've got you. You belong to me. I will pay and take your punishment. I will make a way for you. You see, that's the love of God. That's love. You want to celebrate love today? Celebrate the love of God. That's love. And there's no greater love than that. He came. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was hated. He was rejected. He was despised. And you just want to keep walling around in your weirdness. Oh God, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. If we truly believe, then live as if you believe. Get up and live. Know your God. Worship your God. Honor your God. Psalms. Two Psalms today. 95 and 96. Oh, that we would know our God. Oh, that we would be like the psalmist. Get out a journal. <laughs> Begin to write. <laughs> pour yourself out. <laughs> and then pouring out, point to God. These psalmists were real. They were transparent. They looked up. They saw what they were in. They seen the seasons of their life. They know the anxiety that was weighing down on them. They know the affliction that came because of their sin. But they looked up. <laughs> Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. For the Lord is a great God. Huh? 
a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth. Oh, would you get to know your God? <laughs> and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did in Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them and said, they are a people whose heart turned from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took my oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let all the earth, or let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Each day, did you hear that? Proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tell all the nations, the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praises. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. This is the Lord. This is God. Do you know him? Because that is the question of the hour. Do you know him and are you known by him? He's God, you all. From beginning to the end, he's God. And he came beaten, whipped. His body, his skin, his flesh ripped off of him. To where he wasn't even he wasn't even recognizable any longer. He endured such suffering. And you just want to play church. You just okay, I'm in church, I go to church, and it doesn't even mean anything to you. You just keep living however you want, and you just keep slapping Jesus on your life as if somehow you're saved. Do you not realize that's been the problem all through history? It's people thinking that they know him, people thinking that they are known by him, and yet they are so far away from him. 
Oh God, how I pray that we would repent and live. That you would get up from your place of complacency and your religion and that you would be one in intimate fellowship with him. And if you've never called upon the name of the Lord and you're still running amok, but you're somehow you're sensing him pulling you and drawing you in, don't fight him. Turn to him. Accept him. Believe and confess that he is the son of God and that he's risen from the dead and be saved. And love him with your whole heart, with your mind, with your body, with your very being. Go to Proverbs 14, verse 5 and 6. Two nuggets of wisdom. Proverbs 14, verse 5 and 6. An honest witness does not lie. A false witness breathes lies. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it. But knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. And oh, how I pray that we will be accounted among those who have understanding. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Stop.